Thank you for tuning in to Stories from the Market, a program of people sharing the threads that bind us together in the tapestry of life. Stories from the Market is a broadcast companion to the monthly storytelling concert series put on by storyteller Jeanette Waddell in the Milledgeville Allied Arts. Sharing stories about family, friends, colleagues, and one-time strangers we've met along life's journey is one way to make the soul's flame glow brighter for ourselves and the communities we build around us. In this edition of Stories from the Market, we're celebrating the heroes we love. In tonight's program, Barbara Wyndham talks about true family and the courage to stand against yesterday's norms. And William Akbar shares his experience recognizing a hometown hero. So we'll start off this edition of Stories from the Market now with Barbara Wyndham remembering Percy and Matt Hunter. My family lived in the Newnan, Georgia area since I guess it was dirt. And I always knew that Matt and Percy were connected to our family. Um, I don't know how far that goes back, but I would suspect quite some way. But by the time I made the scene in 1955, the relationship was beginning to change for, for both families. And there was more a sense of family instead of two separate families. So I loved being on the farm because I had two sets of grandparents. I had Mama Sewell and Daddy Sewell, and I had Matt and Percy. And Matt, uh, Percy, and Daddy Sewell were always together, working together either on Daddy Sewell's farm or up at Matt and Percy's place, which was within eyesight. And Matt and Mama Sewell did things together, but in a, they did house junk. Um, so what I, the way I want to tell this story is to tell the story of my grandfather, Percy, um, first, and then I will tell the story of Matt. Um, Percy always wore a denim barn coat with big pockets in it. And whenever I was there, there were always these magic things that Percy would dig out of his pockets. But what Percy was instrumental in teaching me was that everything and everybody is connected. I learned about planting corn, and I would last as long as I could, and when they would come back by with the mule and the plow, whoever got there first would pick me up and set me on the crossbar of the plow and carry me until I woke up from my nap. I mean, I was a little, little kid. Um, so I knew what planting the corn was. I knew what tending the corn was. I knew what it was like for the corn to be harvested, but all through these stages of corn, Percy was telling me what was coming, why what we were doing was important to get to where we wanted to be. And then the corn would get harvested and thrown in the corn crib, and it would come time wintertime when there's not much pasture and stuff, and we would use that dried up corn from the corn crib and take care of the entire farm. Percy was the one that taught me that you can take an ear of dried corn and do this on it, 
and the kernels fall off in a bucket, but if you're not scared of the chickens, you can just walk around in the chicken yard doing this to feed the chicken. The shucks went to the cows, the cobs went to the pigs, and the chickens gave us eggs, the cows gave us milk, and the pigs gave us bacon. <laughs> so there was this, this, this sense of what I learned without knowing I was learning it was how connected everything is and how we have a responsibility to honor that. Um, I remember the day that I announced that Percy was my grandfather too. <laughs> and he stopped dead in his tracks. And he looked at Daddy Sewell and he said, you need to ask Mr. Pope. And I said, Daddy Sewell, Percy is my granddaddy too, isn't he? And he said, that's fine, but you and Percy need to straighten it out. <laughs> and so I said, so do I get to call you granddaddy? And he said, baby, nothing would make me happier. But I really think right now, we need to just let you keep calling me Percy. But know this. Because we love each other so much, even though you're going to call me Percy, I'm going to hear Granddaddy. Aww. You know, at a, as a six-year-old, I didn't realize what that was. And until Jeanette asked me to tell the story of this, my grandparents, I didn't realize what I was learning. So, you know, I was in a way kind of rotten because when I was going to be on the farm, I had my little bitty oak <laughs> basket that I carried things around in, and firewood was cut in a length that I could manage whatever age I was. Most people would call it kindling, <laughs> but it was firewood to me. I had my own little milk bucket. I had my own little three-legged milk stool made out of a hunk of wood and stuff. I learned how to sharpen an axe on a wheel. Now, I couldn't really sharpen it, but I thought I was the one sharpening it. Um, and it, it was just this being togetherness that was so rich, that so made Percy as much my granddaddy as any blood granddaddy I had, and I had two of those, one on each side of the family. Daddy Sewell died when I was seven, and I was devastated. Um, Seven-year-olds, all I think a seven-year-old can understand about death is whoever it is that's died has, is gone. There's no more. It's the end. So when we got to the farm, Percy was there. And I got out of the car and I went running to Percy, not in the house to see Mama Sewell, but to Percy. And I said, Daddy Sewell's gone. And he said, no, baby, he's not. He said, come sit down with me and let me tell you how it is. <coughs> So I went over and sat down beside him, and I said, I want to sit in your lap. And he said, baby, I'd love to let you sit in my lap, but we can't do that. 
I didn't understand why. Um, he said, but I want to tell you about how death really works. I said, okay. And he reached in that denim barn jacket and he pulled out his hand and he had it like this. And he opened it up and it was this little bitty teeny tiny black chick. And he said, you know what this is? I said, it's a little bitty chick. And he said, yes. And he said, do you know where chicks come from? I said, yeah, they come from eggs. <coughs> I've watched them in the hen house. He says, I know you have. That's one of the things you need to know. He said, but let me explain to you how life works. Everybody's born with a soul. And the soul, when you're first born, has to live in your body. And that's your shell. And when you grow and learn how to be good in the world and good to everybody, your soul grows and becomes more and more wise. And one day when your soul gets so close to God, that it can't grow in your body anymore. It hatches just like this chick. And part of you, that soul part of you, lives forever. And as long as we remember Daddy Sewell, he will always be alive. So Percy not only taught me about the interconnectedness of our world, he taught me how to live. He taught me how to have a very high expectation of myself, but he taught me that death is not an end. It's just a new way of being together. That's big stuff for a seven-year-old. Matt, Percy's wife, um, she was phenomenal. <laughs> I remember my first memory of being with Matt is sitting on her lap. She was in a rocking chair and had a number five churn right beside her, and she was going to churn butter. And she said, listen to it, baby. Right now it just sounds like milk, but you keep listening to it, and you'll begin to hear how butter comes together. What a great way to put that. And she would, I don't know how she got the rhythm to rock and churn, but she had it down <laughs> to an art form. I never was awake when the butter began to collect in that churn. But she woke me up to have a piece of bread with butter straight from that churn when the butter was, was collected and put together. Matt would take me out. I would help, help her in the kitchen. She was the most patient human being on the planet. Um, but she would go outside with me, and we would take maypops. She showed me how to take maypops. 
and use sticks and make baby dolls and farm animals out of them. And I thought those were just the grandest thing in the whole world. I'd a whole rather have a maypop that I could make like I wanted than something that somebody picked out in a store. I'm weird, I know. She, there was a big scuttling arbor and we would sweep that off clean up under that arbor because it was shady and take sticks and make our house and we would play out there for hours and then it'd be time to go in and do work and and Matt let me be in the kitchen totally in the way for a long time but you know it's amazing how you just learn stuff just by hanging around it I learned how the ingredients in homemade biscuits taste. I learned how it tastes as you begin to put them together. And she didn't care that I got flour all over everywhere. You know, it was us being together. And when I was about nine, um, I was visiting for a week. And I had gotten to the age, I, I kind of have had a bit of an authority issue from time to time. And I um, had made the decision at some point that adults deserve respect. And the way you show respect to adults is to say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. So Matt and I were in the kitchen. And I know we were making biscuits. And she said, baby, will you get me the buttermilk out of the fridge freighter? And I said, I will. Yes, ma'am. So I went and I got the milk and I set it on the table where we were working. And my grandmother heard me say, yes, ma'am, to Matt. And she called me to the front porch and she said, what did you say to Matt? And I was trying to think, what did I? I said, well, we were making biscuits, and she was telling me a story. She said, no, just before I called you out here, what did you say to Matt? And I was thinking, I said, well, she asked me if I'd get her the buttermilk out of the refrigerator, and I said, yes, ma'am, and I got her the milk. She said, you don't say that to Matt. And I said, why not? And she said, you just don't say that to Matt. And I said, you know, now Matt and I did a lot of playing, so it could be a bit confusing. And back 50, 60 years ago, it was a more innocent time in, in a way. And I, I thought, well, okay, Matt plays with me all the time, so maybe she's not an adult. And I said, well, Matt's an adult, isn't she? And my grandmother said, yes. I said, well, adults get respect. And well-mannered children say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir, to adults. And she said, but you don't say that to Matt. And I said, if Matt is an adult, I say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And she, I didn't know my grandmother could move as fast as she moved right then, but she pretty much warmed me up real good. And I refused to say a word. I didn't shed a tear because I knew what I had done was right. I don't 
it, it wasn't this cockiness. It was this deep down thinking about all the things that Matt had taught me and all the time we had spent together and, and how much I love her. And when I went back, I, I don't think I ever said yes ma'am and no ma'am to my grandmother again. Um, there are ways to be polite and get around it. Um, but when I went back to the kitchen, tears were just streaming down Matt's face. And she said, baby, you don't, you don't have to respect me no more. I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And I didn't realize what I had done. I didn't realize how I had been shaped by the love that Matt and Percy had for me and the love that I had for them. And what they, what, what I now realize happened was they busted the world wide open for me. There aren't, yeah, we have different pigmentation in our skin and different texture to our hair, but we're all human beings. And how dare we not treat each other like valuable, important, gifted, loving brothers and sisters. So yeah, Matt and Percy are my heroes because they loved me enough to let me be in a time that was confusing and crazy and everybody was afraid of everything that was going on in the United States of America at that time. But they helped me navigate that and shaped me to be someone who has done the best I could to respect everybody. So thank you for this opportunity and um, your attention and the honor of having me here. That was Barbara Wyndham reflecting on the lessons she learned in her relationship with her grandparents, Percy and Matt Hunter. Her story was recorded live in February 2017 at the Allen's Market in downtown Milledgeville. And you're hearing it here on Stories from the Market. Up next, William Akbar talks about the process of recognizing hometown hero, Ernest Biner. Good evening to everyone. Good evening. First and foremost, I want to thank the Lord for allowing me to be here to talk about the Ernie Biner Street naming. I would like also to express my deepest sympathy to the Lee family for their loss. I'm going to share with you some background on Ernie. Ernie was born in 1962 in Milledgeville. He is the fourth child from a family of five. He grew up on Chatham Street 
in the West End community. I was told by a close family member, Ernie's grandmother, Miss Reed, the school teacher, had a strong influence on his life. Ernie began his football career here in this county. He also excelled in the classroom. His senior year, the class president, also graduated academically among the top of his class of 1980. Ernie played college football at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. After three years there, he was drafted in 1984 in the NFL by the Cleveland Browns as a running back. In 1984, Ernie's mother, Miss Bernice, and I worked together at Chaplinwood Nursing Home. In 1982, Ernie was a member of the Super Bowl 26 championship team, the Washington Redskins. Ernie played in two Pro Bowls. Ernie's career lasted 14 years. While in the NFL, Ernie was charitable. He donated a band to the Boys and Girls Club. Now, about how the street naming began. In the spring of 2003, I was at Piggly Wiggly and seen Ernie's brother, Rob, the face of Georgia Natural Gas. Rob and I talked. I asked Rob what was anything named after his brother in Millersfield. He said no. After hearing that, I began to do some research on the computer about Ernie. I was very impressed about the things I read, very impressed. I felt like his name should be on something in Baldwin County. I began to talk with people in the community, asking what they think about something carrying his name. The overall response was positive. I felt like something should be done while Ernie is still alive. I didn't know what I could do to make this happen. At this time, I was working at the garage at Central State Hospital. Two of the employees there, Melvin Cleveland and Robert Floyd said they would work with me on this project. We would talk about what we could do to make this happen. Robert came up with the idea about calling ourselves with the concerned citizens of Baldwin County. He also helped me write up a proposal stating it would be appropriate for the name Mr. Ernie Bynum to be placed upon an area, street, building, etc. I wrote this up on sheets of paper and went out in the community and talked with people about what they feel we could do to make this happen. Most people signed the paper. I ended up with about 100 names who supported doing something to honor Ernie Bynum. I knew to make this a reality, we had to work with the political body of Baldwin County. In July, I wrote an article to the Baldwin Bulletin newspaper entitled, Ernie Bynum, a native son, Milledgeville is proud to call her own. The Baldwin Bulletin published this article. This was done as a reminder to the Baldwin County community about earning many achievements. I talked with Mr. Colin P. Lee from the Baldwin County 
board of commissions about what we could do to try to make this happen. He told me, if you all want something in the county to carry his name, you would have to do it through the county board of commissions. If you wanted something in the city of Milledgeville to carry his name, it would have to be done through the Milledgeville City Council. Mr. Collins was willing to help any way he could. So I also talked with Ms. Schenholster, city councilwoman, about what we was trying to do. Ms. Schenholster told me, you all need to know what name Ernie Banner will be going on. You don't, need, you don't need to take it down and let the city decide. This is something that you as a committee, a group, a body of people need to go and explain to them exactly what it is that you want done. So she told me that Ernie lived on Chatham Street in the West End community. So we decided to try and get Chatham Street renamed Ernie Bynum Street. When I went to the city council meeting with letter in hand about what the community was trying to do, Ms. Lumford suggested I talk with Ms. Jackson, city councilwoman over District 1. When I talked with Ms. Jackson about what we was trying to do, she stated, I think that's a good idea. And I felt like we can get it done. In about five months, Chatham Street will rename Ernie Bynum Street to honor their hometown native son, Mr. Ernie Bynum, the husband, the father, the son, the brother, the friend, and a positive role model to all to look up to. And I want to just share this with you. Uh, I did not personally know Ernie. I did know his mother. I knew his brother Ron. And Rob, since then, I've met some of the other family members. And I want to tell you the ones that I know, they're very good people. And I just felt so happy to see the expression on his face and his family members' face when this happened. And at the time this happened, it was like a high and a low for me. Uh, my sister. My, our sister Julia passed uh, at the time that the um, street was being renamed. And while it was a tragic loss, uh, the beauty of the moment is that we were all together uh, to witness the renaming of that street. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Now, my brother thinks that the hero that we are celebrating today is Ernie Bynum. It's not Ernie Bynum. <laughs> he is the hero. <laughs> you know, there's a saying, uh, the power of one. Uh, and really, my brother was a committee of one. Um, However, he was astute enough never to let the political authorities recognize that really it was a committee of one. But each of us as citizens have that same power to see something in our communities that we think 
should be changed, should be different, should be materialized. And when we act in that power of citizenship, amazing things can be accomplished. So thank you for being that power of one. And so today, we celebrate you as the hero. That was William Akbar talking about naming Ernest Biner Street. His story was part of the storytelling concert celebrating the heroes we love, which was recorded live at the Allen's Market in February 2017. If you've enjoyed our program, please consider coming out for our next live event, which will take place at 2 p.m. Sunday, March 27th, in the Allen's Market Building in downtown Milledgeville. Stories from the Market is a co-production of Milledgeville Allied Arts, storyteller Jeanette Waddell, and WRGC 88.3 FM. Tonight's program was produced for radio by yours truly, Daniel McDonald. Thank you for spending a portion of your evening with me here on Stories from the Market. I want you to know that I hope to hear you soon.